I want to let you know that today we're going to be talking about Jesus saves. And how many of y'all believe he is the Savior of the world? Amen. And I thank God for that today. I really do. I want to remind you today that as we turn our attention to the Word of God and the series title that we're doing called Jesus Saves. Everybody say that together. What? Jesus Saves. I want you to write down a couple things for me before I begin today. As we begin this series, there's a few things that I want you to jot down that's not going to be in your notes today. First of all, I want you to jot down that Christmas is about God's love. That is, God loved us so much that he gave his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. So Christmas is not about Santa, it's not about reindeer, it's not about stuff and gifts and toys and trinkets. It's not about all that. It's about God's love. So write that down. It's about God's love. But secondly, it's about God's timing. The Bible tells us in the fullness of time, God sent his son. And his son was born of a virgin. The Bible reminds us that in the fulfillment of time, God did something for us that we could not do for ourselves. In other words, we couldn't orchestrate when all this was going to happen, but God, in God's timing, he did that. So it's about God's love, and it's about God's timing. And then I want you to write this down. It's about God's purpose. God had a purpose for sending his son into this world, and that purpose we're going to talk about today. So it's about the purpose of God. And then write this down. It's about God's plan. That is, God had a sovereign plan uh, that he had designed before the foundation of the world. That he was going to send his son into the world at a very special time. And he was going to accomplish the mission of the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And then finally, write this down. It's about God's provision. God provided for us a Savior, a Savior that came in this world, guys, that met our greatest need, that touched our deepest level of, of our need in our life. God provided for us what we could not provide for ourselves. God provided a spotless Lamb of God that, that came to this world to die on the cross for our sins. So we realized then that Christmas is about those things. Did you write them down? I'm going to test you now. Did you write them down? What is it? Christmas is about God's love. Christmas is about God's timing. Christmas is about God's purpose. Christmas is about God's plan. And Christmas is about God's provision. How many of y'all believe that today? Amen. You know what? That's what Christmas is all about. And that's what we talked about the first Sunday. And then I want you to think about this with me. Last Sunday, we talked about a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Y'all remember who he was? He was Zacchaeus. And the Bible tells us that Zacchaeus was so interested in seeing God that he ran up and he, and he climbed up into a sycamore tree. And the Bible says as Jesus passed by that he came to a place. Now don't miss this. He came to a place and he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, come down. And the Bible says that Zacchaeus made haste and he came down from that tree. And the Bible tells us that Jesus changed Zacchaeus' life. He changed his life and he changed his eternity. And I want you to remember what I'm about to tell you. I believe with all of my heart, with everything that's in me, that God has a very special place to meet you. That God has designed along the journey of your life a place where your time and his eternity is going to cross and it's going to, it's going to come to that place. And I believe that God knows how to find you in that place. And I believe that God knows how to deal with you in that place, no matter where that place may be. So we talked about that last Sunday. And today, I want us to look over to Luke chapter 2 and verse number 11 as you open your Bible up. And we're going to just kind of remind ourselves about this teaching series. And we're going 
going to all shout the verse out loud together. Are you ready? Here we go. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a, a Savior who is Let's do it one more time like y'all going to wake up. All right, here we go. Are you ready? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. When you look at that verse, you begin to realize that uh, Luke, Dr. Luke begins to tell us that there is a city, and that city is the city of David. And we all understand what that city is, or who we, we understood that as we talked about it. It is the little town of Bethlehem, the city of David. And the Bible tells us that the Savior was born of a virgin in that city, that city in a manger. So we realize that the city is a city of David, the, the little town of Bethlehem. And then we don't have to worry about what that Savior's assignment was. The Bible says he was a Savior. And we determined that the word Savior simply means one who saves or one who rescues you or one that reaches into a need and, and carries you out of that need. And the Bible tells us we don't have to worry about who that Savior is, do we? We know who he is. Who is he, church? He is Christ the Lord. He is Christ the Lord. We don't have to ask ourselves, are we looking for the Savior because we know the Savior has come? We don't have to speculate at all uh, who is this Savior that, we're, that is going to save us? The Bible tells us he is Christ the Lord. And so when I think about that, I'm absolutely convinced that as a believer, that I have something to rejoice about. That I don't have to wonder and worry at all of why God sent his son to this world. He sent his son to be a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Do y'all believe that today? Can I get an amen? How many of y'all believe that? Would you give God praise if you believe that with all of your heart, that Christ is the Savior of the world? So when I thought about that, I thought about this in regards to the title today, and I want you to jot it down, a sure gift based off of a sure truth. A sure gift based off of a sure truth. That is a profound thought today. We're living in a world today I believe that we're living in a world today that we're not sure about a whole lot. We're living in a world today that when you look around you, you begin to realize that this world is not very sure. That you don't know who you can trust. You don't know if they're telling you a lie. They're telling you the truth. You don't know. We've, we've all, we all look at our life and we go, man, in our world, can we be sure about anything? Can, can we really put our faith and trust in something that is sure? I believe that we're living in a world today to where a lot of people are seeking that. They're wanting that. They desire that. Uh, even those of you that are here this morning, I believe if you were honest with yourself, you would say, Pastor, you know what I want? I want a sure thing in my life. I want something that I can, I can hang my hat on. I want something that's rock solid. I don't want something that's just so fluid and so unpredictable. And I'm not looking for something that may be the answer. I want a sure thing in my life. And I believe we're living in a world today that when we look at God's word, we can have a sure gift based off of a sure truth. So I want you to open your Bible to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 15. Are y'all ready to learn today? Can I get an amen? When I looked at a gathering, I began to think about that title. We'll read that in just a moment. But have you ever said something like this when you're pondering a gift for someone special in your life? Have you ever said, I'm not sure what to get them? I, anybody here ever done that? Like, like you, you're looking at people that you love and you go, man, what am I going to get them for Christmas? I'm not sure what to get them. 
And when I, when I look at Denise and I, we begin to think about our grandkids. Oh, my gosh. We're, we're, we're out there and we're going, man, we don't know what to get those kids. You know why we don't know what to get them? Say why, Brother Jacob? Because they got everything. I told her the other day, let's just get them some switches. That would be good for them. Let's just get them that. Uh, but I, I'm thinking, I'm not sure what to get those people. And I bet some of you are feeling the same way, that when you look at certain people in your life, you would say, I'm not sure what to get them. I just don't know what to get them for Christmas. And, and then maybe some of y'all would do this. Have y'all ever done this? Have you ever received a gift and you looked at it and you said, I'm not sure what that is. Anybody ever done that? I've done that. I remember back a few years ago, and it was quite a few years ago, uh, Becky and Roe Frederick got me this gift. It was, it was such a, I love those people. Man, they're special to me. And they got Denise and I this gift. And we opened it up and it was a bag. And it had handles on it, on each side, a bag. And it was kind of a weird bag. I never saw a bag like that. And I thought, I, looked, I said, well, you know, I just kind of gave this generosity. Thank you. Thank you so much for the gift. I'm so excited. <laughs> I was excited about it. And I got in the car and I looked at Denise. I said, what is that? What is that gift? I didn't know what that gift was. Man, I'm thinking, what the heck is this? Do you put your tennis shoes in it? Is it a gym bag? You can't zip it up. Just a bag with two handles on it. And then I began to investigate, and it, it was a, a bag that you go outside and get your firewood in. You know, and you, and you load your firewood up, you bring it in the house so you have something to tote it with. And I still got that, man, and I used that thing like crazy. Thank you, Rowan Becky. You saved my life. I love that. You go outside, you get that. Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Y'all got a bag like that. You get a bag, and you go out there, and you get that. What a blessing that was. But when I first looked at it, I thought, I don't know what that is. I never saw anything like that. And I bet some of you are, are thinking, you know what? Have you ever got a gift? Y'all didn't know what it was, anybody like that? Like you, or you got one, you go, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. <laughs> I'm going to save it to next year, give it to somebody else or something like that. But you look at this thing and you, you look at life and you go, can I have something that's sure? Can I have something that's sure? And the Bible says, would y'all read this with me? This is a faithful saying. And worthy of all acceptation, come on, that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. And Paul said, I'm the chief sinner. Uh, you know what? When I thought about that, I thought, wow, what a powerful word that is, Brother Benny. That, that we can have something so sure in our life. And I begin to think about that. And I begin to think about all the things that God tells us in his word. Like all through the, the Bible, you find... Uh, scripture after scripture that says God gave you a gift and God blessed you with this gift. Jesus himself said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the great apostle Paul says, oh, but let's thank God for his unspeakable gift. In the book of Ephesians, we begin to realize as we study the word of God that the great apostle Paul says, for by grace are you saved. Through faith is not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Can you imagine this, that God loves us so much that he is a God that gives to us? When I thought about life and I began to look at that, Paul said, man, Jesus came in this world to save sinners, and he said, I'm the greatest sinner of all. Now, I think that was probably true in Paul's time, but when I look in this crowd, I think there's some sinners out here that out even Paul. Thanks be to God that he's still saving from the guttermost to the uttermost. Can I get an amen? That God finds us where we are and saves us in our mess and gives us a, a sure thing. So when I thought about it, I wrote down point number one. I want you to jot it down well as well. A sure truth in an unsure world. 
a sure truth in an unsure world. When I, when I begin to think about that, I begin to realize that we live in a world of uncertainty. I believe more than in any other time in our lives, we have been, we're being required to come to terms with a world of uncertainty. And I believe the uncertainty of this world is presently affecting every man, woman, boy, and girl. I really do. I believe that either we're consciously or unconsciously saying to ourselves, you know what, there's nothing sure anymore. I believe more than ever before, we're beginning to realize the unfathomable truth of God's word that says to us, whatever you do, don't lay your treasures on this earth because thieves are gonna steal it and moths are gonna eat it and rust is gonna corrupt it. And I believe down deep in all of us that somehow, some way, we're beginning to realize, you know what, that's probably true. And deep in our heart, we're beginning to process this, that, man, you know what, we can't boast about tomorrow because we don't have it. And we used to say things like this, oh, we'll do that next year. Now we don't even say we'll do it next, the next second because we're not promised it. I think that all of us would begin to realize if we were to be honest with ourselves that this world is so, so, so temporary that even the Bible says, don't you know this, that your life's like a vapor? Don't you understand that it appears for a moment and then it goes away? I believe that all of us are beginning to realize there's something inside of us that's saying to us, yeah, we're like a flower that blooms for a minute and then we die. Or, or we're like the grass of the field that's, that's there for a second and then it burns up. I believe that we're beginning to realize that our life is like, like a weaver's wheel. It's just running, running, running. And I believe that people are beginning to say, you know what, golly, it's true. It is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, What? And I believe that men and women and boys and girls all over the world are stopping to go, I want something that's real. I want something that's real. When we begin to study the millennial age group, which a lot of you are and I love you, but when you get down to the real heart of the millennials of today and you really say, what do you guys want? And this is the nutshell of it. You want something that's real. You're not interested in the fake stuff no more. You're not interested in somebody that will stand up and tell you everything you want to hear just to get a vote. You're not interested in, in somebody having a platform and, and saying stuff just to get people to, to say, yeah, we're for you. I, I believe that we're living in a world today to where people are going, you know what, I'm tired of that. I'm not, I don't really want that anymore. What I want is something that's sure. Something that I can seek my teeth into that gives me something that, that, that's going to be rock solid in my life. And when I thought about that, I thought, wow, you know what? It's true that when we look at our life, uh, there was a time when we, when we were not, we, we're, there's a time right now that we're not certain about anything. We may not even be certain about our next breath. But there's a sure truth in this world, ladies and gentlemen. I want you to listen to me. There is something that's real. There is something that's honorable. There's something that's good, and this is what the great apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. He says, this is a what? Faithful saying. And it is worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came in this world to save sinners. And he says, I'm the greatest one. 
You know what? You go back to the front of that verse in the very beginning of it, you'll see that Paul says this is a faithful saying. It's faithful. You know what that means? It means that you can count on it. It means that, that whatever he's about to tell you, that heaven and earth cannot change this truth. That this truth is paramount in our life and in our existence and in our eternity. And he says, you know what? This is a faithful saying. He goes on and explains what it is. And I want you to know, and listen at me and listen to me. Uh, there's about four reasons I believe it's, it's faithful and it's sure. Write these down. First of all, this is, truth is sure because of who said it. Can I get an amen? Uh, I want you to remember that. Remember what I'm about to tell you now. This truth is sure because of who said it. Donald Trump didn't say this. Hallelujah. Barack Obama did not say this. Putin didn't say this. Great ambassadors didn't say it. Kings of this earth did not say it. But our God said it. And because our God said it, let me tell you something, friend. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. What God says, God means. What God means, he says, heaven and earth may pass away, but his word will remain the same throughout all of eternity, world without end. Thank God for a God who will never change his word. Can I give an amen? When I thought about that, I thought, you know what? This is a faithful saying because it is true about who said it. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The Bible tells us heaven and earth may pass away, but God's word will remain forever. It will outlast everything. The Bible tells us that God honors his word even above his name. Why? Because God cannot lie. The very God who spoke in the book of Genesis who said in the beginning God and God said is the same God that is saying what we're studying today. It's worthy. It's faithful. We can count on it because of who said it. Who said it? You know there's a lot of people that say things you don't know whether to believe them or not. Can I get an Amen. We're living in a world today that, that people will lie like a dog. They're sneaky as snakes. They'll tell you everything that you want to hear. They'll tell you one thing to your face and walk away and say something else behind your back. Thank God that our God is not like that. Thank God that he says what he means. He means what he says. This is faithful because of who said it. Now look at the second thing. Say it with me. This truth is faithful because God is faithful. God is faithful. That's an amen place, y'all. I said our God is faithful. He's faithful on the mountain. He's faithful in the valley. He's faithful in the sunshine. He's faithful in the rain. He is faithful in the good times and he's faithful in the bad times. He's faithful when I'm happy. He's faithful when I'm sad. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He will never abandon me. Our God is faithful. When I'm walking through the valley, he is there with me. When I'm on the mountaintop, he is there with me. When I'm suffering, he is there with me. When I'm crying, he is there with me. When I'm struggling, he's there with me. Can I get an amen? Is there anybody in here ever been on the mountaintop and say, 
say, God is with me there. How about anybody in here that's ever been in a valley? Has God been with you there? Can I get an amen? Anybody in here been through hard times and knew that in the middle of your hard times, your God was there, and he was there, and he was faithful, and he would never leave you. If God has ever done that to you, you want to be thankful and give him praise for that because he is a God that will not walk away. He will not walk away. He is a God that's faithful. You know what? A lot of people will say they'll be faithful, but when the hard times come, they'll walk out on you. Thank God our God will never give up. He'll never walk out on us. He is faithful. This saying is faithful because God is faithful. Say that with me because y'all need to say it. Y'all look like y'all need to be reminded of that. Say that with me. This truth is faithful because God is faithful. One more time like you mean it. This truth is faithful because God is faithful. Can I get an amen? Now look at the third thing. You got to write this down. This truth is worthy because our God is worthy. Can I get an amen? This truth is worthy because our God is worthy. Our God is worthy. You know the word worthy means value. It means representing the weight of the value of whatever it is. The truth has value because of whose value this truth represents. Why? Because the worth represents the one who said it. It is God himself. Our God is worthy of all of our praise, all the glory, all the honor. Our God is worthy. There is none above him. There's none beside him. He is worthy. He is king. He is master. He is Lord. He is worthy of everything. And the truth that we have today is worthy because our God is worthy. He's worthy, church. Can I get an amen? He's worthy. And because this truth is sure, and because this truth is solid, and because this truth is worthy, I want to write this last thing down, and that is this. This truth should be accepted as truth by everyone. Everyone needs to accept this as truth. You know what? We don't have to have a majority vote on this. We don't have to have a committee meeting on this. We don't have to get the world to prove you on this. We don't have to have Congress to vote it in. We don't have to have the Democrats or the Republicans to all come together on this to decide whether or not this is true. My friend, it is true. And everybody needs to accept it. Everybody needs to accept it. People say, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to study the religions of the world to see if it's true. Look at me. You ain't got to do that. You ain't got to study the, the writings of, of Europe. You ain't got to study the writings of, of Asia. You don't have to study all the religions of the world. You don't have to. Let me save you some time. Look at me. Let me save you some time. You ain't got to do that. It's true. Jesus Christ came in this world to save sinners. You don't have to study world religions to, to understand that. People say, well, I'm going to have to study world religions and figure it all out to see if this Bible is true. Look at Brother Jackie. You ain't got to do that. It's true. It's true. You say, well, I'm just going to, Brother Jackie, you mean you want me to just take your word for it? Look at me. Yes. It's true. Can I get an amen? It's true. You ain't got to waste your time. People go, well, I'm just going to study religions and figure out which one I, that fits me best. Look at me. There's not a lot of ways to God. There's only one way. Amen. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except he come by. Either you believe that or you don't. 
Either you believe Jesus is the sacrificial lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world or you don't. Either you believe that he was God's son or he isn't. Either you believe he was born of a virgin or he didn't. Either you believe he was the biggest liar and the biggest fake that ever showed up on planet earth or you believe that he really is the son of God. There is no middle ground. You don't have to study world religions to come to this conclusion. The Bible tells you exactly what you need to know to, to, to be able to understand that. And people will go, well, I'm going to study religions to figure out if it's right. Look at me. Listen to me. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a relationship that you have with God the Father through God the Son empowered by God the Holy Spirit. You cannot figure out all the world religions and determine if that's the right one for you if you want to go to heaven when you die because there's only one way to go to heaven and that is through the sacrificial death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the, shed, the blood that was shed for you on Calvary's cross. That is the only way to make it to heaven. There is no other way. We have to realize, watch this. Look at me, y'all. Everybody needs to accept that. Everybody needs to accept that. This truth should be accepted by everybody. That's why the world wants to crowd this out. That's why the world wants to say to shut up preachers that are preaching the truth. That's why people say, well, you know, I don't want to get in. Look at me. That sign says it all. Say that sign. Jesus saves. How many of you believe that's the message of the world? That's what Jesus does. He saves people, y'all. He saves people. That's what he does. That's why he came. He didn't come to win a popularity contest. He didn't come to overthrow the government. He didn't come to be the president of a nation. He came to become the king of the world and the Savior of the world. So I look at that, and I go, man, everybody ought to accept this. Maybe I'm just a dumb country boy. I don't know. But you know what? I'll take it. Because I don't, you listen, it's, so, it's simply profound that God loved you enough to send his son Jesus to die for you. Crazy, profound, but simple. There is, God doesn't have a plan B. This is it. And everybody needs to accept that. I wish everybody did, don't y'all? I wish everybody gets saved, don't y'all? I wish everybody get born again, don't y'all? Some of y'all do, and some of you going, why is he talking? I wish everybody get saved. I wish everybody would come to know Jesus. I wish everybody would go to heaven. I wish everybody would, at the end of the service, for those of you that's never made a public profession of faith, I wish all y'all get saved today. Because it's a sure truth in an unsure world. Now, number two, write it down. This is powerful. A sure truth. Here it is. You want to know it? Jesus came into this world. He came into this world. He didn't stand on the outskirts of it. He didn't float around in heaven. He came to this world. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 15, it says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Come on now. That Jesus Christ came into this world. Y'all remember the first song we did today? Anybody remember? Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. Here I am to worship. You remember that song, y'all? Remember when we did that today? 
All right, I, here, here, here's the song. I'm not going to sing it to you. Don't amen that. Here's the words of it. Light of the world, you stepped out into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. And because of that, here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my king. Oh my goodness, y'all. Jesus came into this world. That's what he did. He came in this world. Open your Bible up to the book of Luke. I want you to see this. This is what's normally known as the Christmas story. I want you to see this. It's, it's a really, really good. Uh, you look at this, this scripture and you begin to realize that this tells the whole story of, of who Jesus is and what Jesus done and how Jesus came into this world. And I want you to notice there in Luke chapter 2. Are you with me? Say amen. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, somebody help me, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Look at me. God showed up here. God showed up on planet earth. Jesus came to this world. The book of Galatians in the next verse says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, made under the law. In the right time, Jesus came to this world. Can you imagine this, y'all? Can y'all imagine this? Maybe my mind gets a little weird. Don't amen that. But I'm sitting there thinking, can you imagine at that moment, y'all, when, when, now I believe that the, the heavenly host of angels, I, I, get, I bet there's multitudes of them. The Bible says there was a multitude of them singing and praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. So I, can you imagine in heaven, can you imagine this, that in heaven, I, I, just, I just think about this a lot. I think, okay, God had set this day uh, from the very beginning, uh, this day when he was going to send his son. Can you imagine heaven being so glorious and singing and, and, and all the angels rejoicing and heaven being this glorious place and all of a sudden the father stops and looks at his son and says, it's time. I can just imagine a still hush going over heaven. That for a moment, you can almost hear the angels gasp as they heard the Father say, it's time. You know why they, I think they, I think that that may be a perfect picture. 
Because you know what? All of heaven has been waiting on the moment for the Lamb of God that's going to be slain before the foundation of the world. And wouldn't you know it? God turns to his son and says, it's your time. And I can just imagine all of heaven gasping as the son of God rises up from his throne and steps out into this world to come to this place, y'all. This place that the majesty of who he is created and saw the fall of man and the sinfulness of who we are. Jesus showed up just for me and just for you. And because of that, this is a true saying that Jesus came into this world and it propels us to the, to the next point to save sinners. That's why he came. He came in this world to save sinners. That's what Jesus did. He came from heaven to save sinners. Now, now here's the thing that most of us, we don't get. We don't get this, y'all. You know what we don't get? Say what, Brother Jackie? Most of us don't get that we're bad. Most of us don't get that we're sinners. Most of us think we're pretty good people. But, but when you look at it, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, it says, this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into this world, say it, to save sinners. Paul says, and I'm the worst one. Now, when you think about that, you begin to realize that it is a profound thought that Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, would come to this world to save sinners. Sinners. And when I think about that, I look at Romans chapter 3, and I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures to you. It says, as it is written, there's none righteous. How many of us? No, not one. That there is none that understands. Uh, there is none that seeks after God. They're all gone out of the way. They're all together become unprofitable. Uh, there is none that does, does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. In their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their way. And the way of peace they have not known. For there is no fear of God in their eyes. Can I just tell you what that means? It means that describes our world. We're just sinners. And what I begin to realize is this. The Bible, are y'all listening to me? You know what the Bible, how the Bible describes us? This is what the Bible says about us. When you begin to study the Bible and you say, well, what does God call us? God calls us an unclean dog. He calls us a stubborn donkey. He calls us that we're sneaky as snakes. We're devouring wolves. We're like wild pigs. We wallow like hogs in the mire. We are cruel as bears, we're, we're sneaky as a fox, we're poisoning as a snake, we're stupid as a sheep, we're ravening as a lion, and we smell like we're rottening. Now look at me, don't get mad at me, I'm just the messenger. That's how God says we are. God says we're just not okay. We're just not okay. 
And when I thought about that, I, I wrote this fourth thing down. This is what it says. We're all born sinners with the capability of getting worse. Can I get an amen? We're just born sinners and, and we get worse. We get worse. We're born in this world as a sinner and we don't get better. We get worse. Wow, how, how bad is that? In other words, we're born in this world stinking and the longer we live, the stinkier we get. We just get awful. We smell like death. We're just rotting. And the book of Psalms, it says in Psalms 51 and verse number 5, it says, I was shaping in, in sin in my mother's womb. That's what I did. Romans 3.23 says, For all of sin and come short of the glory of God. Mark 7.21 says, From within, out of the heart, proceeds uh, evil thoughts and adulteries and fornications and murders and thefts and covetousness and wickedness and deceit and lasciviousness and evil eye and blasphemy and pride and foolishness. And all these things come from within us and we, that defiles us. The Bible says that because of that, the wages of sin is death. In other words, the longer we live, the more like death we smell. But I'm so thankful it didn't end right there. Can I get an amen? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know what? When I think about that and I see that, I begin to realize that, man, you know what? We're not getting any better without Jesus. We're getting worse without him. As our musicians come and we take this minute to focus, just a minute, you say, well, Brother Jack, what can I do about that? All right, this is where you need to really listen because it really speaks to us. And this is something I want you to hear me say. You say, Brother Jack, everything you've told me just hadn't been good on my part. But the good news is that Jesus came, Christ came in this world to save sinners. And guess what? That's all of us. Every one of us. I couldn't die for you and you couldn't die for me. Why? Because one sinner can't die for another sinner. Because we're all guilty. God had to send his son Jesus into this world, the spotless lamb of God, to do something for us that we could not do for ourselves. And I want you to think about the bottom line for a minute. This is what it says. A sure gift based off of a sure truth. Well, what is that sure truth? What is that that we need to get today? The sure truth is that Romans 5, 8 says, but God commended his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, tell me, Christ died for us. Now, we're sinners we're all sinners. We're all separated from God. And we're all lost without hope. We're living in an unsure world. We're not sure of anything. We're not even sure if we'll live to tomorrow. Then we're kind of in a mess. And then on top of that mess of living in an unsure world, we're just dirty, rotten sinners. So what is a sure truth? Here it is. Look at me. Here's a sure truth. God loves you. 
God loves you. The Bible says that God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. Now, I believe he did that for everybody. So let's, let's think for a minute. This is going to take some of you into another place, but I hope that it works. I want you for just a moment to think about this thought. What's the worst thing you've ever done in your life? What's the thing you've done that you're so ashamed of that you don't want nobody to know about it? I mean, it would, it would embarrass you if somebody found out. And you look at your life and you go, man, Brother Jackie, tried to forget that. Well, listen to me. When you were doing that worst thing in your life, when you were making the worst decisions you've ever made, and you were doing that unthinkable sin in your life, this is what God was saying to you. I absolutely love you. And I'm going to do something more than to say it. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to send my son Jesus. You should be the one that dies but I'm going to let him die for you so that you can have life. That's a pretty good God, amen? That he would find us in our worst moments and change us from that. The Bible goes on and says these words, but not as an offense, so also as the free gift. Free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man. Jesus Christ has abounded unto many. And not as it was one man by one man that sinned, so is the gift for the judgment was by one man to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one man, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of guilt of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one man, the free gift came upon all men under justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense may abound. Read this last part with me, everybody. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ. Now watch this. You say, Brother Jack, what did all that mean? I'm going to wad it up for you and give it to you. Are you ready for this one? You cannot outsend the grace of God. No matter how bad your sin is, God's grace is bigger. In other words, when you come to Jesus... He doesn't push you away. But rather what he does, 
is he says, this is why I sent my son into this world to save sinners just like you. And he takes his grace, watch this, and he showers his grace on you so that even though you were a terrible sinner and you were condemned to die because of Jesus Christ, you can have life eternally. And did you notice? It's called a free gift. A free gift. I said this to you a million times. If I had a million dollars up here, and I said, okay, who'll be the first to run down and get it? And y'all, I know what you're thinking. Brother Jack, you ain't got no million dollars. But what if I did? What if I really did? And I said, first one down, first one down here is going to get a million dollars. You know what I would have to do? Sneak out that door. Because there would be a stampede coming to get me. But watch this. God offers you something much greater than a million dollars. He offers you the free gift of salvation that he will give to you. But you know, a gift isn't worth a whole lot if you don't take it. If I said I had a million dollars, you'd have to take it in order for it to be yours. God offers you a gift. Here's the, here's the point that you got to get to. Are you willing to take it? Are you willing to say, Lord, I want you to come into my heart. I'll take that gift. And if you will do that, he will change your eternity. Today, I want us just to take a minute to bow together. Our ministers are going to come and they're going to stand down front. And as they come and stand down front, they're, they're here for a reason. And that is, they're here for people that would like to come and pray and say to the Lord, I want you to come into my life. Because I know that when I was being dealt with about getting saved, I didn't even know how to pray. And I remember walking down the front of the church and going, man, I don't know what to say. And they said, just pray with me. If you mean it in your heart, pray this prayer. And I did. God changed my life. These guys are here to help you do that. Or maybe you're here today and you'd like to join the church. It'd be a great place for you to make home. We'd love for you to do that. So with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, in just a moment we're going to stand and sing together. And we want you to come.